It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.06 on a Saturday morning, 7, no, not 70, anything. It's 65 degrees outside. It wasn't very warm when I got out this morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape and to remark upon one of the privileges of getting up this early on a Saturday morning. I do it once a week. Ashley Frasca, of course, does it eight days a week, usually. But the moon, actually, this morning was gorgeous. Microphone? Yeah, there she goes to get a microphone on, so she's talking to somebody else to call her right there. Here we go. Hi, what was that? I was saying the moon this morning. It was really it was cool gorgeous. this morning. It's, I guess, almost full, but yeah. two mornings ago, it was orange. It looked like fire. Oh, really? Wowzers. So do you see, you must see it often because you come in six days a week. I'm on the road at, before 4 a.m. And I remember your tweet earlier this week. You get out when the strip clubs were letting out. <laughs> What's that about? Tell me so, more. I come off of 75 on the North Side Drive. Right. And it's before 4 a.m. And there shouldn't be any traffic, you know, coming off the interstate on the North Side Drive. But sometimes you have to wait to go through that little interchange for all the folks bailing out of the strip club for you to be able to turn on the North Side to do your thing. And I think, this is sad. These people have been up and awake and partying, and here I am going into work. <laughs> Do the people who cross there at the intersection, do they look any different from normal people during the day? Are they dressed up or perhaps undressed? Or how do they If it's possible to drive your car and try to look discreet, that's what they're doing. Right. Because? They're coming out of the strip club at 4 a.m. Ah, okay. Well, that news report from Ashley Frasca here (laughs) (laughs) News Talk Supporting your local businesses. Ah, Support your local business. That's what we say, your local workers, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you, Ashley, for that, for that entertaining um, report. <clears throat> the moon, though, this morning was really, really pretty. Well, what was it with two days ago where it was like that really light orange? I'm sure there's know. a name Sometimes for it. I think it's dust, and, you know, storms out west or something like that. Corn know. moon, says Jason Byers. A what moon? Corn moon. Corn moon. Are we harvesting corn at this time of year, Jason? Jason's not a farm boy to harvest coin. I'm just going with what uh, Scott Slade said on Atlanta's Morning News. Well, then we can't deny that. If Scott Slade or Kurt Miller say it, then it is gospel. It is news and it is true. That's what I thought. Okay. Well, good. Good Scott grew up south of Metro Atlanta just like you, so y'all have a lot of the same info. Yeah, exactly. Same same moons, corn moon, although I don't think it was a corn moon. I just think it was uh, the moon's up. It's time to go out and milk the cows and various things like that. The cow moon, we call it. <laughs> it's bright enough outside to do your chores by the moonlight rather than by, um, by having a... Uh, we didn't have, I'll tell you things you didn't know. But when I was a kid, yeah, when I was a kid back a long time ago, when I was a kid, we my parents... We lived on a real poor, small farm down there in South Fayette County. And frankly, I think we just didn't have the money for replaceable batteries. You know, back then, Rayovac and the other batteries just didn't last all that long in your flashlight. And what did last a long time was kerosene lanterns. And so when we needed to go outside and do chores and work and milk the cows and do various things at night, 
who would light a kerosene lantern, which to me sounds so old, so tremendously old. This was in the early 1950s, of course. And uh, that was the way we lit ourselves around, was to see about the kerosene lantern up in the chicken houses, doing things like that, catching possums in the chicken nests. Sure, that's what we did. But one of the things we did do, and one of the things I wanted to mention just a moment today, are two myths that are going around right now, two myths to two bits of incomplete and un, untrue information, one of which was repeated to me by a friend of mine who was bragging on her sweet watermelons that she had had all summer long. She said, I go to the market, I get the sweetest ones. And I said, well, how do you know which ones are the sweet melons at the, at the market? And she said, oh, it's easy. You look for the female melons. The female melon, she said, is very round. And the male watermelons are long. And the ones that are female, the round ones, they're going to be the sweeter ones because the male ones are all watery. They don't taste as good. I laughed ooh, easily a minute, laughing, laughing, laughing. There is no such thing as a female or a male watermelon. I guess theoretically you could say that the any watermelon that has seeds inside is female because it has seeds and reproduces the, the, the species, I guess. But in truth, there are male and female flowers. We know that. But the watermelon that comes from the vine is asexual. There's no such thing as a male and female watermelon fruit. The other thing that I think was interesting is the uh, Facebook post about some dangerous spider just been found in the United States. Horrible spider. One bite will kill 15 people or something like that. And it was almost immediately shown to be not any kind of dangerous spider. It's a spider we've had over here for years and years and years and years. Yeah, the bite is somewhat painful, but doesn't kill anybody. This is not Black Widow, uh, you know, the other dangerous spider, brown recluse spider. not dangerous like they are. It simply is a spider that somebody decided to, to post pictures and say this dangerous Asian something, something spider will kill everybody. No, it isn't. Don't believe that. It is not for true. All right, two myths, not female melons and not dangerous spiders right now. Let's go to the phones. J.D. is over in College Park and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, J.D., good morning. Why would my button work here, Jason? No. Ashley's still talking to him. Oh, okay. In that case, let's talk to somebody else. Nicole, then. Hey, Nicole. How are you? Mr. Reeve. Mr. Nicole, good morning. A full moon, big time this morning. Big isn't time, it? pretty, pretty, pretty outside. Do you think it's any different color in Griffin than it is here in Atlanta? Um, uh, sometimes it's brighter. Oh, yeah, different color for some reason. I don't know if it's the light uh, from the city that does that. Yeah. We're more in the wood and. Uh, now, a couple of weeks ago, Nicole, did you go out and see the meteor shower? I usually don't miss it. I take my chair and I sit outside. Yeah. Oh, boy, I must have been dead tired that night. Yeah, it was a per se meteor shower um, two weeks ago, I guess. And I was in Boston and was just not motivated to get up and drive out of town. And I don't know anybody here in Atlanta who did either, but I know that it was supposed to be a spectacular show, one every you know, second or so, out through the sky. I watched uh, some, you know, they tell us ahead of time, usually, uh, oh, there's some kind of show, Mr. Yeah. Reeve. It's yeah. like um, the uh, eyes, uh, uh, if you go in Alaska, those eyes things. Oh, the, the, the uh, no Northern Lights. Yes. The lights yes. in the sky. Yes. 
which I would like to do. Nicole, have you seen those Northern Lights? Yes, yes. You live in Canada, so you lived in Canada when you were younger, and so you saw them up there? Yes, and because the light, the day are so long in summer, probably 4 o'clock in the morning is light, 10 o'clock at night is still light. Right. You know, because the days, boy, in wintertime, yow! Oh, God almighty, nights are really long. Right. But they, that's a reflect of the iceberg, you know, huh. from the moon, from the iceberg. And so what do the northern lights actually look like if you're there on the ground watching them? What do they look like? Ah, oh, uh, it's, it's um, God, it's hard to explain. It's, um, hmm, I couldn't, uh, couldn't explain until you see it, you know. It goes from one side to the other, and depending on... I think how big the iceberg is, the more intense. Then uh, after that, it's just in sequence. And does it, it, is it like really, a curtain? I, my imagination is something like curtains of, of color in the sky. Yeah. yeah, well, it's no color. It's just, just a light, light, uh, um, bright light, but no colors, you know. Hmm. I guess depending where you are, too. Yeah. Hmm. And what, kind of, what time of the year. Well, Nicole, we've got about... Two minutes here. Did you have a question about gardening this morning, or we're going to keep talking about the natural phenomena outside? Well, talking about light, you see, this time of year, depending how your house is built from north to south, yeah. the light changes. So uh, in in the north, but then it go over the top of the house, and then yeah. it go on south. You know, so if you have a hard time with your indoor plant, sometimes it's nice to move them so they have more light. I have one of those solar plants, little bitty plastic things you can buy for $5 that has a little solar cell on it, and the flower goes back and forth, back and forth, and it just wiggles in the sunshine. And what you're saying is exactly true, because I know during one part of the year, in the winter, the sun is low enough during the day that it hits that solar cell. It makes a little flower go clack, 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 clack as it goes in the window. In the summer, the sun is higher, no noises from my little solar flower. And uh, the light comes from the top of the window, so if you don't want, you know, if you want more light inside, just don't put no curtains on mm -hmm. top of a window. And then I think that, that helps. That helps a lot. I was noticing yesterday my um, Christmas cactus that I don't move during the year, but I thought to myself, this year early I was going to put it outside under the patio umbrella, but I never got around to doing it. But I noticed that it had all the little buds, all the little red pink buds at the tips of the branches were forming, and so I thought, well, now I'll have another good show of Christmas cactus flowers this year, as I do every year, even though I don't move them, don't do anything to them, don't change the light, as you recommend. Somehow, they still work. And it's time to put the bulb, hyacinth bulb. Oh, yes, yeah, time to hyacinth. you got hyacinth, the daffodils. I was talking to a friend last night about uh, buying 100 daffodil bulbs for a school project that she wants to do, so... Um, it was time to plant. It's getting just uh, almost September, September, October are good times to, uh, frankly, September through December are good times to plant the spring flowering bulbs. So, yeah, it's time to think about it at least. Yeah, because they need uh, a good month of uh, making their roots and everything, mm -hmm. isn't it? When it's still warm. When it's still warm, as the soil will be from now through November pretty much, we'll have plenty of time for the bulbs to establish themselves and then pretty flowers next spring. Nicole, it is great to talk to you this morning. I've got to go, but it's wonderful to hear your voice again. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well, Nicole. It is 617. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work.
News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. the day you need to move. Today is a good day to move. The weather forecast from Ackerman Security says a mix of sun and clouds, high of 85, low of 67 today. Sunday the same, more humidity, high of 87, low of 68. Before we can forecast, comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. JD in College Park. Hey man, good morning. Good morning, Walter, and thank you for taking my call. How are you doing, sir? Doing great. How can I help you, JD? Walter, I'm calling about my elephant ear plant. And by the way, what's the technical term for that elephant ear plant? Elephant ear? <laughs> no, there's, uh, <laughs> there's two. There's uh, Colocasia is one species name. Alocasia is another species name. Both of them have a very similar leaves. And the difference between the two is their flower is slightly different. So Alocasia and Calocasia are the species names. How do you spell that calocasia? C- oh, come on now. C-A-L-O-C-A-S-I-A. Calocasia. <laughs> Why do you want to know? What is it to yeah. you? Okay, yeah, I guess not. Nothing, Walter. Walter, what? What I'm, uh, my problem is is that I don't want to know when can I prune that darn thing because I have mm-hmm. some leaves on the lower part that's kind of splitting, you know? Yeah. And, and, I don't think uh, it would hurt. I mean, if you just one or two leaves, as long as it's, you know, in my head I say if it's less than 25%, of the total plant that you're pruning off a tree or shrub or elephant ear in the summertime, that's probably mm-hmm. fine. It won't hurt anything. So less than 25% would be a good guide to follow. Okay. I, I've been taking it into my garage when it gets very cold, you know, mm-hmm. uh, down below freezing. W- w- would the frost hurt it if it stayed, if I left, left it outside? Uh, frost won't hurt it, but down to 15 degrees will freeze it down to the ground dead. So, oh. you know, you got to predict what's the weather going to be like this, this wintertime. If you think it's going to be a severe winter, bring it in. If it's not going to be too bad, leave it outside. And J.D., one of the things you need to remember, I saw my friend Linda this past week at a wedding. Mm-hmm. Linda, about 15 years ago now, was cutting down her elephant ear stems in the fall. This is when the stems were just about to fall over. The frost had come once, I think. And so she was just chopping them with a stick or a machete or something and got some of the mm-hmm. juice from the elephant ear stem in her eye and caused oh, very, no. very excruciating pain. And it is well known that the juice of elephant ear and other plants in the general species of arum are very dangerous to be in your eye, on your tongue, in your skin. So be careful when you chop those leaves. Don't Man, I appreciate that tip. I really, really do. Yeah. Uh, uh, my, my my friend Gloria, she loves your show, and I hope she's listening. <laughs> I, I hope she she will call me. <laughs> you tell Gloria I said hello and good morning, and call me sometime. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. JD, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling in. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is my number. Call in now and get your questions answered. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
6.34 on a Saturday morning, 64 degrees outside. A little bit cooler than we have in the last past Saturdays, down in the 60s, not 70s as it has been. I guess fall is upon us. Joe is in Cumming, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Joe. Good morning. Hey, hey Walter. Good morning. Hey, What's before up? I ask my question, let me, let me tell you, I did stay up and watch that Perseid meteor shower. Yeah. But there were some high levels, high level smoke coming from Canadian wildfires that oh. obscured all but the but the brightest ones. So I'll kind of be disappointed. Darned. How about that? Thank you for telling me, Joe. Appreciate that. Hey, so uh, actually, it's my daughter who um, who had a bought a new house up in Dawsonville, yeah, and uh, had the, the the yard sodded with Bermuda sod, and we've been watering it and following your lawn calendar, putting fertilizer down, but the Bermuda just seems to be surviving it doesn't seem to be flourishing hmm. we're starting to get some uh one of the neighbor calls it witch grass i call it crab grass we're starting to get some of that in there what can i do when did you what did you do about fertilizing joe uh in may i put down um a starter for fertilizer that the guy at uh, pike nursery told me to do yeah and then how about three or four weeks ago put down a, a just a regular turf type fertilizer okay so you haven't not fertilized you have fertilized so that's good to know and one of the things that I'll start talking about next week, more than likely, Joe, is that when September rolls around, most grasses, Bermuda, fescue, centipede, well, not fescue, but uh, most warm season grasses like Bermuda, zoysia, St. Augustine, centipede, they all slow down and really and truly stop absorbing a whole lot of fertilizer anyway. So if you're going to put a winter-type fertilizer, they call them winterizer fertilizers, they have to be put down before the middle of September. If you put them down after September, even though you think, well, it's winterizer, so I must be putting it down in December. Winterizer means preparing for winter, not during winter. So anyway, just tell me that so you don't get, be confused and think you need to fertilize Bermuda in December. Um, the grasses that are in there more than likely are annual grasses in the Bermuda grass, whether, whether it's crabgrass or something else. Because if it were a perennial grass, more than likely they would have found it at the side farm and would have controlled it down there. So my guess is that the annual grasses can't do much about them this late in the season. They're probably the summer-type grasses like crabgrass is a summer annual weed grass. So honestly, there's not much to do unless you want to put a pre-emergent out and you probably don't have any bluegrass in there right now because bluegrass is usually spread by seed from your neighbor's lawn. And so, again, one of those you see five years down the line, but not your first year after putting sod down. So right now, I don't think there's anything that she can do, Joe, with the, with the weeds okay. in, the, in the sod. Okay, so so put down a, a winter fertilizer sometime before September and then a pre-emergent, uh, according to your calendar, next uh, late uh a winter, early spring, something like that? Uh, first of March, somewhere in there would be about right. Yeah, first of March. And one of the things, Joe, if you ever consider that you have a really heavy infestation of any grass, or any weed for that matter, if it's an annual grass or weed, a broadleaf weed, using a split application for heavy infestations really makes a lot of sense. Use half at the right time. In other words, last, next year, if you felt like you had a lot of crabgrass this year, put half of the application down March 1st and another half down around May 1st, eight weeks later. And the split application, generally speaking, does a better job in controlling a heavy, a heavy infestation of weeds than just doing it one time in March. 
Okay, well, that sounds good. Hey, listen, I appreciate that because that is not what I was going to do, but uh, that, that's great advice. I, I will go ahead and follow your advice then. Thank good you. Luck, good luck to your daughter, Joe. Thank you very much. Hey, thank you. Good talking to you. We've got David and Tucker who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, good morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. Well, um, I was wondering if you got any advice on a rapidly deteriorating and dispersing herbicides. I have some invasive uh, grass and weeds in a section I wanted to uh, put some plants down in, and I just want to you know, wipe that out, make it all clean, and then dr drop in the plants uh, without having to you know, wait an eon for the uh, herbicide <laughs> to disperse. I think Roundup is probably the safest thing to use, or glyphosate, the you know active ingredient in Roundup is uh, glyphosate, so you can get various brand names of Killzall, and you know the big box stores have their own branded. <laughs> I didn't get my button on time. I had a sneeze there, David. Sorry about that. But the, the various brand names of glyphosate um, can all be, I think if you read the label for each of them, it says seven days at max. Does you have to wait after applying the herbicide before you can plant seeds or plant uh, plants. So I would say probably Roundup would be your safest bet. If you use one of the broadleaf weed killers like Weed Be Gone or season-long weed control, the Bayer product, they usually, I think, say two or three weeks, if not a little bit more than that. Okay. So All glyphosate right. would be my recommendation. And I'd say some labels, depending on the concentration, say four days. Some say seven days. Read the label, the magic three words. Read the label and see what it says on the product that you use. But you should be you know, able to plant pretty quickly after you apply it. Uh, here's a quickie for you. I just found out that Asian persimmons can be raised here and just wanted to have any input you might have on that. Uh, <laughs> I got a shout out on Facebook from talking to you a couple, three weeks ago from the Tucker Orchard Guild, who, uh, of course, plant their fruit trees all around Tucker there where you live. And I'm assuming maybe they plant some Asian persimmons around Tucker, but the one that seems to be for me, the easiest to grow and tastiest fruit is called Fuyu, F-U-Y-U, mainly because it seems never to, I've never tasted one that had a lot of that astringency that we associate with persimmon fruit, you know, where it tastes real bad, makes your tongue curl around, you know. So, yeah, they can grow. And frankly, David, I may be planting one myself this coming year because I planted an Asian pear 21 years ago. And the number of pears I've gotten from it to eat are zero. Squirrels really, really, really like Asian pear fruit, it turns out. And so the squirrels in my backyard have eaten all of my Asian pears. And now I'm thinking, do they like persimmons? We'll find out. So that's my task for the, for the fall, David, is to find an Asian persimmon tree, plant it, and we'll see what happens. Great. All right. Thank you, Walter. Great talking to you, David. Thanks for calling. Dale in Canton, Georgia. Dale joins us at Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dale, what's up? Hey, hey I'm doing well. Good morning, Walter. How are Good. you, sir? Doing great. Hey, uh, <laughs> excellent. Quick question here because, um, you know, my fall vegetables are planted. They're starting to poke through a little bit here. And, and, and I'm paranoid because it's been a rough year, rough summer for me. Okay. And right now I've got, oh, my God, I, I got what appears to be thousands of them. I, I, I kill 100 a day, and then they keep coming back. <laughs> Uh, I planted very large Goliath sunflowers, yeah. and it's done nothing but attracted these 
you know, uh, long brown leaf-footed bugs. Leaf-footed bugs, are yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. I, and I, I try to keep my garden organic. And besides going out there and smashing them, um, how, how can I, I, I kill, make these guys suffer, whatever it is? They need to get going <laughs> to the garden. I, I'm, I'm just sick of this. Yeah. And I'm as, as, gonna get my Brussels sprouts and things, you know? So, man. As you know, your arm will be tired smashing leaf-footed bugs one at a time yeah. because there's just so many of them. And leaf-footed bugs are in a class of insects called seed bugs. They love the seeds of sunflowers. One, Rosa Sharon is another. Most any medium-seeded uh, plant, even some of the um, um, butterfly plants, butterfly weed and uh, monarch plants, will have seed bugs on them in the fall of the year. Whew. Now, they want to have an organic insecticide to kill these leaf-footed bugs, and when they get to the bug size, when they're adults, they're tough to kill. The, yeah, they are. The young ones are a little red. You may not have even seen them, but they're distinctive. Oh, yeah, there's, 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 there's hundreds of those, yeah. Little red things that look like an ant, sort of, but they're red, yeah. bright, bright, bright red. So they're easy to kill. You can use um, spinosad, the Captain Jack's dead bug brews you can get in most nurseries around here, spinosad. It's pretty effective against the young ones, but once they get a hard shell and become the seed bugs with a leaf on the legs, it gives their name the leaf-footed bug, ooh, spinosad is going to be about 50%, maybe less than that, effective at killing them. Oh, my God. The other okay. choice for organic Dale might be um, neem, one of the neem concentrates, as a, what's it, as a, my, as a troll, A-Z-A-T-R-O-L, that uses... Um, as a directin, as a directin comes from the neem tree, and neem, as you know, is one of the organic pesticides that we use. Neem oil is used to suffocate scale and things like that. As a directin, the other concentrated stuff um, is also extracted from the seed, and I'm not sure where you're going to find any as a directin around Atlanta. You may have to go online and look for that. But oh my God. spinosad or as a directin, and reali realize that both of them are not going to be the 100% that you wish. Mm. Oh my gosh! I guess next right. year, keep your eye out for those little red ant things. In June, mid June is about when they started appearing, and when you see those, then we can kill them with an insecticide. When it gets to be August and September, hard, hard job, hard job to control them. Quick, quick question. So if I just cut these goliaths down, yeah. okay, and get rid of all these darn things, I don't have to worry about these guys going after my greens and spinach and all the other stuff I planted, correct? Mostly what it seems to me they're attacking the garden is tomatoes and okra. Things that oh, they my God, I got, oh, my God. I, I grow more tomatoes and okra than anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dale, it's a misery at your house. <laughs> you got big problems, friend. Uh, but that is the truth. The tomatoes and okra, leaf-footed bugs, I see little spots on the top of, of uh, tomato shoulders where they poke their little noses in there and suck the juice out. On okra, yep. many times you'll see little bumps. look like a looks like a zit on the side of an okra pod, but five or ten of them. And sometimes the okra pods will curl around. There'll be so much sucking damage done to them by leaf-footed bugs and stink bugs that it'll curl the okra fruit around. So... So I brought this damage on myself, is what you're telling me. I didn't me say that. I, in, I implied <laughs> it, but I didn't say it. Uh, I, right. I thought to myself, gum, Dale, you should have been doing this back in June. You should have been looking for those little <laughs> red things back in June. Not now. You're right. All righty. Well, hey, Walter, I appreciate it. I really do. All right, Dale, it's great talking to you. Thanks for calling. Same here. You take care.
404-872-0750 gets you in to take Dale and David's place. And by the way, a listener, an avid listener to the show, says that he believes that eggplant can be male and female. I'm talking about, <laughs> I'm talking about Jason Byers, our engineer. And Jason, explain to me what about the eggplant would be male and what about female? On the very bottom of the actual eggplant itself, right. where I it's not a belly button, but it kind of looks like a yeah. belly button. Right. Um, it can be elongated, which is supposed to be the female, yeah. or rounded, which uh, is supposed to be the male. And the male mm. is uh, less seedy and less bitter than the female eggplant. Mm, I put in the, that in the same class as the male and female watermelons, which I explained earlier is not true. But it's possible that the age of the fruit might, Jason, be the, the older it is, the less, uh, the more seeds it has, the more bitter it is, perhaps, and whether that's associated with the elongated belly button or the round belly button, I'm not sure. But if that's the way you choose your eggplants, go ahead. I do not argue with success. Yes, I always go for the rounded uh, bottomed eggplants. Go for the round bottom eggplant. Wise advice there from our engineer, Jason Byers. 404-872-0750 is our number. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. got flowers for you and a quick weather update from Eric from Ackerman Security. Today, a mix of sun and clouds, high of 85, low of 67. And tomorrow, pretty much the same. A little bit more humidity tomorrow, high of 87, low of 68. Full weekend forecast because of in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Dan is out in Jasper, Georgia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dan, good morning. Hey, Walter. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm all right. What's up? I was just going to make a comment on that fellow that had called in uh, a few calls ago yeah. about, I think it was his daughter. They had laid sod yeah, over sure. in Bossville. Uh, it wasn't doing well. Well, I did landscape and irrigation for 30 years around the uh, Atlanta area, Cobb County, and uh, around about. Yeah. One thing I don't think you probably realize, unless you did it, and way back when we first started and Dad did it, we didn't have what called skid steer loaders. Right. Generic name is a bobcat, and uh, we plowed the yards up. We used the regular farm tractor with, uh, you know, a three-way rollover. Uh, set it up, pull dirt, push dirt, or set it up and plow. And Dad was always real adamant about plowing these yards up real good before we'd put the pulverizer on it and hand rake them out. Well, nowadays you have the skid steers, and I know this is going to step on some toes, but they skin them off. Yes. When your cat loader yes. comes in and grades out for the house, he skins off the majority of the topsoil, grading for the house, and then when it comes time to uh, to landscape, the ground's hard as a brick. Yeah, it's nice and flat. The bobcat skid it off real nice and flat, so you lay the, lay the side right on top of hard, hard cement, hard sometimes soil. Yeah, and it can't get a root system in right. the ground. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, causes them to be slow about, you know, establishing, a, you know, a good yard. That's a great it'll, point, it'll make man. it. Um, well, it's the truth. I mean, you know, it's rubber meets the road right there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but, you know, some yards do better when they have field dirt, you know, if you have to fill one in. But when they have a kind of a hillside or higher ground and they just skid them off, I'll tell you right now, you take a pick and hit the ground, it'll almost bounce back and hit you in the head. And that's the way it is up here at my house. I mean, I bought up here in Jasper about three years ago, and mine's built on a rock, too. It was sod at one time, but now, you know, it's, uh, you know, some parts are still good, and some of it's just just baked out and didn't make it. Yeah, just I think you're right. Good. That's why when I, when I recommend I have a page on my website about how to install sod, and I very adamantly say, till the soil first. Make sure you have organic matter added if you need to, topsoil if you need to, till it all in, rake it out. That's exactly what you said, Dan. You rake it out nice and smooth, then lay your sod on top of soft soil. Hopefully it's been lined, fertilized a little bit, and that gets the soil off to a great start, and away we go. But like you say, if you lay sod on that hard, hard, skinned-off clay, you're not going to have success. It sure is true. It's 6.58 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news.